There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, can I help you find something? Librarians specialize in helping you find what you were looking for and sometimes what you didn't know you were looking for. Thank you for joining me as I talk to my guests about all things library, including the books inside them. I'm Julie Chavez, and this is Ask a Librarian. Anissa Gray is a senior editor at CNN Worldwide and a contributor to Emmy and DuPont Columbia award-winning coverage of some of the most consequential stories of our time. She began her career at Routers as a reporter based in New York, covering business news and international finance. Born in St. Joseph, Michigan, Gray studied English and American literature at New York University. She lives in Atlanta, Georgia with her wife. Here is my conversation with Anissa. Hello, Anissa. Thanks so much for being with me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, I'm thrilled to have you and talk about your beautiful new book, Life and Other Love Songs, which I finished last night. And I... I'm so excited because we're recording this the day before your pub day, correct? That's correct, yeah. Oh my goodness. So you don't really have anything going on today. You're just chilling, I'm sure. <laughs> just hanging out. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Well, so how, if we can start there, you are also the author of The Karen Feeding of Ravenously Hungry Girls. And I have not yet read that, but because I loved Life and Other Love Songs so much, I have already added it to my TBR to go back because I want to make sure I have the full Anissa Gray experience. But, Thank you so um, much. Oh, my pleasure. But could we start there? What has the experience like been writing a second book? You know, this is very different from um, Karen Feeding in that Karen Feeding was in a lot of ways drew a lot from my personal story. So with that first novel, you know, they say you sort of just put it all out there and, and you know, and there it is. Right. So that was a much easier book for me to write. The second book was not quite as easy, at least not in the beginning. Okay. It just, you know, I had the general idea. I knew generally where I wanted to go, but it was something of a grind. There were a lot of false starts. And also because I don't have quite as much of a personal connection. I had a tremendous interest in the in the subject matter I was writing about, but it was different in that I didn't have sort of the personal driving connection to it. So that was very different. So it made the writing experience different and a little bit more removed from me. Mm. But on the positive side, it was a real challenge. And it challenged me to do some new and different things as a writer that I really enjoyed. And that was exciting. That is exciting. So in the end, I loved writing this book. <laughs> <laughs> that could, I feel like that's a perfect summation for all writers, right? In the end, I'm very happy I wrote 18 drafts. <laughs> all things considered. <laughs> yes. That's perfect. A new slogan for writing. 
I really appreciate that. What did you find that you enjoyed the most, would you say? Like in terms of, you were just saying that parts of the challenge were enjoyable, which, is there something that stands out to you? I think one of the things I enjoyed the most was how I ended up structuring the book. Mm. One of those 18 million drafts you referred to (laughs) was written in in a very linear way. So if this happened and this happened, this happened, this happened. So you've read the book and you see that's not how it ended up. It was my editor, the wonderful Amanda Bergeron, who said, you know, what do you what would you think about sort of playing with time a little bit, moving things around so that we have in some ways some cliffhangers sort of built into the into the narrative. And that was um, it was quite a challenge for me. I was quite resistant to that idea when she first raised it. Okay, but I'm so glad she did, because when I sat down and I did it. It changed everything and it became something else for me. And that was, again, in the end, a really sort of enjoyable experience and seeing how you can play with time to make the narrative that much more propulsive. Just listening to you say that, I'm rewinding in my head and trying to reorganize the pieces as if you had written them linearly. And I think it would have taken so much away because so much of the story for me was waiting to... Mm-hmm. slot the other pieces in that I needed. And mm-hmm. it was fantastic. Thanks for sharing that you were resistant at first, though, because I do think there's <laughs> sort of this, this, uh, we all think, oh, yeah, of course. And then my editor said this, and I said, that's a great idea. And then I went and <laughs> did it. The end. So, yeah, no, you know, when you're, when you're writing, you get really attached to, you know, character to how you have it laid out. And there's this feeling, at least for me, like, oh, I can't change a single thing, you know? Yes. But, you know, sometimes it really works. And again, you know, I was, I was, I'm very grateful to her for having raised that. Yeah. The right editor really is like a good, they're book therapists, right? Mm -hmm. They can just see what we can't. And so the ability that they have is so helpful, but yes, Mm -hmm. I sometimes hate it. It's annoying. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I would like to be right about everything. So that really puts a, a problem in my situation. there. <laughs> now, did this book have a title change at one point? It did have a title change. Okay. <laughs> so when I'm writing, I usually have a title in mind. That was yeah. the case with care and feeding. You know, it, it helps sort of helps me essentially plant my flag and, you know, it's my North star. Yes. So this book had a title and the title worked throughout the writing process. Okay. And it was close to what the title is now. But as we got towards the end of things, and once again, my editor said, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't know if this is really working. And I, I thought about it and I said, yeah. you know, it's not the most exciting title. And uh, <laughs> I see what you're saying. <laughs> right again. Um, <laughs> and we, you know, we brainstormed a lot and she just, I mean, we went through a lot of titles and right there at the end, when things were feeling a little dire, I had gotten mentally tired. She said, yes. what about life and other love songs? And I'm like, where did you get that from? Seriously. Said, I just made it up. <laughs> and I said, you're amazing because that title immediately spoke to me. And you can see music is such an important part of the book, in part because of the main character, Deborah. And the things of life, you know, love, mm. desire, a heartbreak. Um, I thought the the title captured all of it. 
And um, yeah, so that's where we landed. Oh, it really does. It's a perfect title. I was just curious about that because that's something I never knew about. Before I learned anything about publishing and I was just a book lover, it never occurred to me that titles would have to change or would change because it seems so close to the book. And to your point, it can be a North Star and to help keep you centered as you're writing this massive project. But I like that you shared that and way to go. Your editor gets two gold stars. Yeah, Amanda is, you know, (laughs) she's everything. We will buy Amanda a very nice present. (laughs) I'm very excited. (laughs) Thanks for sharing that. Will you tell me a little bit how you became a writer? You're also a journalist. You have Mm -hmm. some other day jobs in there that you're doing. So just a few. (laughs) But how did you end up turning to writing? Was it something you always loved? Yeah, so I'm I'm a journalist. I still am. I I still work for CNN. Yes, I've heard of them. (laughs) (laughs) But there was a point in my career where, I mean, I've only ever been a journalist and a writer, you know, my my whole professional life. Yes. There was a point in my career where I got really burned out. And I, as a kid growing up, I was a huge reader and I always also wanted to be a writer. Okay. But, you know, I had student loans. So I got a job straight out of college and journalism was the job I got and I loved it. But when I got burned out, I went back to, you know, that childhood dream. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm really going to get serious about sitting down and trying to write a novel. I'd written short stories and poetry and all of that. But th- that was the first time I really got serious about it. So I sat down. I wrote a novel. It was terrible. Um, <laughs> I put it to the side. But if there are other aspiring writers listening, keep going. You learn from every sentence, every paragraph, every page. So... My second novel, wrote it, um, I got a great agent, and it was The Care and Feeding of Ravenously Hungry Girls. I really like hearing that. I was listening to one of your videos where you, that was your advice, that do a lot of subpar writing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm a ray of sunshine in that way. (laughs) When I'm giving advice. (laughs) It is necessary, though, right? For the ones among us that labor under the illusion that they can just sit down and hammer out a book, which, I mean, hand-raised, that's me. So it's such a reminder that you're learning a craft and that that's going to take time. Yeah, it it takes time. It takes dedication. And and, and it it takes practice. Yes. You know, to really do well with it. Yeah. Yeah. I'd prefer to be good at things right out of the gate is my main problem in life. So I'm going to write be subpar down on a sticky note and I'll be like, that I can do. That that I nailed today. You're welcome. Yes. And this is great. You're going to be my new North Star. I'm so excited. So let's talk a little bit about life and other love songs. It was interesting hearing you say just now, that the main character is Deborah, because I know that to be true, but the other characters are just as weighty for me. And for so, in so many ways, this book left me, I loved it. It was so well-written. I kept wanting to go back and read more of it, you know, and life kept getting in the way. So I would go back, but I was also brokenhearted by it in so many ways that were really powerful. So how, when you, when you sat down to write this one, did you have a, a general sense of the story? I don't want to give anything away. I'm always really careful just because I think, especially with this book, going into it knowing less is perfect 
because I think there's so many threads that that contribute to the whole. So when you sat down to write it, though, so it's told from three perspectives. Is that something that you wanted to do originally, even when it was more linear? Yeah, I did. Yeah. So okay. it was always going to be a braided narrative. But when I sat down to write it, I knew just a couple of things. Okay. I knew that Oz was going to disappear. He's the husband and father. Yes. So Why don't that. you give a, a brief, sorry, will you give just a brief yeah, summation yeah, yeah. of the beginning? And then that way people will know, because I like to jump right in and confuse everyone. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's, it's a story about what happens to a family after the husband and father disappears. Oz is a pretty, you know, normal guy by most appearances. He goes missing on his 37th birthday. He leaves behind his wife, Deborah, who is an aspiring singer. And she's someone who's struggling to come to terms with life as a housewife, which is not a life she had envisioned for herself. Yeah. And he also leaves behind his teenage daughter, who he adores. As you can imagine, this completely upends the family, but Mm -hmm. it becomes even deeper as the story unfolds and and we find out, you know, what happened to Oz and why. So that's that's the nut of the story. So you knew that Oz was going to disappear. That Mm -hmm. was thing number one. And what else? Did you say there was one more? I knew that Deborah was going to be a singer and it was going to be in the Motown era because I just love that sort of the glamour and all of that. And I knew they were going to have a daughter. So I knew this was going to be a story told in three parts. What I did not know was why Oz disappeared. Mm. That came in the writing. And I also didn't know how things would unfold between Oz and Deborah. Okay. I just knew that they had an incredible love story. Yeah. What an act of faith as a writer, right? I mean, I'm sure <laughs> writing any novel is is like that a little bit, where you have to go into it and you don't know the end. And even if you think you know the end, there are probably pieces that surprise you along the way. But I did love the story of Oz and Deborah. And there were so many really powerful lines when you wrote, Oz had a low tolerance for people who let so much of themselves show. Things like that where you really nailed their their characters so well. They were people I feel like I know. Just in terms of, and especially, did you know, you wanted to set it in the Motown era. I feel like also I kept thinking Oz's disappearance, had it happened now, we would have cell phones and all of these ways mm-hmm. to track and surveil. And just remembering that in the 80s and 90s that, that that wasn't a possibility. And so did you know that that was part of it in terms of the timing or was it based on Motown and then it just kind of grew out of that? So it's sort of based on Motown and then grew out of that. Okay. But I also, I wanted it to end up in like the 80s and the 90s which is a time period, you know, this, that was my coming of age period. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to write a little bit about that from the perspective of coming of age. And we had that with their daughter. So it all sort of worked together for the timing. I am only thinking of this now, but it really is like three-part harmony. And <laughs> with the three characters, it's so perfect. Because they uh, that, really no, no, that, That's great. I actually hadn't thought about that myself. It just, when you said that, it's so true where... You really, it is that harmonious, which is why when you said Deborah's the main character, I thought she is, but those other two characters are so much of her story and and contribute so much to it that it really does, I can't see the story without any of it. So 
congratulations. I mean, it's just, it's such a, it's such a unique, interesting book. I really liked it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, it'll be interesting to hear from readers who they identify with the most. I think, you know, I'm a woman. I, I identify a lot with Deborah. Yes. So that's probably why she feels, you know, so central to me. You know, and what's interesting for me, I think I was more connected to Oz. That's which interesting. Is, yeah, I think that's so, it surprised me a little bit when I picked it up because I wouldn't have imagined that to be the case. I don't think, you know, I'm past 37, so I won't disappear on my 37th birthday. But, <laughs> you know. Well, what's interesting is for my wife, um, she identified so much with Oz's brother, Tommy. Oh, Every wow. time Tommy showed up on the page, she, you know, and, and we don't see things from Tommy's perspective. We don't have Tommy's voice as, as one of our narrators, but he's he is incredibly central to the story as well. So yes. those secondary characters, I really wanted to do justice to them and their stories. And when she told me that, I felt like I'd, I'd accomplished that with Tommy. Yeah, I think you did. And that's a good measure of whether you've accomplished that, right? That she's looking at that character and thinking this is the one and same for me. That's so interesting. And what I think I'm imagining that writing a novel is such a strange experience too, because of exactly what we're talking about, where this is something that, you know, you have your visions of it. And then once it's out in the world, other people take ownership of it and read it in a different way than maybe you had intended or thought. Did you find that with Karen Feeding? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yes, I did. One of the great things that you point out about writing a story and putting it out into the world is, you know, certainly as the writer, you've been toiling away for a year or two and you see things in a very sort of specific way. And then you go out and you talk to other people who bring their own life experiences and they, you know, their, their own feelings and emotions to it. And they see things in a way that you had not even imagined Many of them attached, I attached to the one of the characters, Viola, who had an eating disorder, and she was, for me, a central character. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of readers identified more with the older sister, Althea. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's <been some> years. <laughs> that was unfair. No, I, that, that book's, we're not talking about that book, Julie. We'll talk about it another time. <laughs> That's so true. Is that ever, I don't want to say annoying, and I'm sure it's not, but is it, I'm sure it's also surprising to hear what people say and take from your books. 
Yeah, I, I just take it all in and I, I just love it because I am first a reader and mm-hmm. I, you know, you know there, there are books that I read and characters that I'm attached to that I imagine if I were to be able to talk to the authors about, the authors might see it differently. And yes. that, but that's what I, books are so, and stories are so personal. Yes. Both for the writer, but also for the reader. And, you know, and, and, I, and I just love that. That's such a good way to think of it as opposed to what sounds more like my approach, which is like control freak, sort of <laughs> <laughs> overly sensitive. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, once I've written it, you know, it, it's out there. And, yeah. and I learned a lot through readers who raise questions that I'd never thought of and just ask me really smart things that I mm. that I'd never really given much thought to or that I'd seen in a completely different way. Yeah. It is a gift and you're exactly right. Reading is as personal an experience as the writing. And mm-hmm. so having that sort of approach to let it go and be what it's meant to be in the world. So I'm so excited to hear what people see and enjoy about life and other love songs. And I would already like for it to be a movie. <laughs> so <laughs> whatever I can do to help that, I know zero people, but I, <laughs> I'm just so excited yeah. <laughs> that it's getting press and getting noticed because I do think it would be, I could see it. You're a really, you're a really talented visual writer for me. I mean, I could just see so much of it. And also 80s, 90s for me is a formative time. So thinking about picking up the phone, it was like I could picture the kitchen. It just yeah. was so <laughs> fun to think about that. But I'm looking forward to its future and so glad that you're excited to hear what people have to say and not wanting them to stop saying it. <laughs> it's no. a much better approach. <laughs> I <laughs> salute you. you. <laughs> did you find did you find either of the characters more challenging to write or did they all come pretty naturally in terms of the the main 3 that have their perspectives? Yeah, I found Oz very challenging to write because he's so hidden mm-hmm. from himself yes. in a lot of ways. And yes. he went through a few iterations to really sort of find him and also bounce him out. Oz does some things that are really difficult to take. Yes. He does harm. And being able to write a character who does harm, but who you can also understand why. Mm-hmm. And for some readers, and I've actually heard from one reader who says the fact that you still love Oz. Yes. At the end of all of this is something. So he was really difficult. It took quite a lot to get him balanced. Did you find that draining for you personally? Honestly, the whole, the whole writing experience was somewhat draining. I I wrote it over during the pandemic and there were a lot of very sort of personally emotional issues for me during the pandemic. I lost my dad. Mm. And then I went through a a really terrible period of insomnia. And I've never had insomnia before. And I was writing through that. I mean, I would some days open up the file and look and see what was written. And it's like, who wrote this? Did somebody break into my office? (laughs) So it was (laughs) ASDF, ASDF, JKO, semicolon. (laughs) Like you're in a typing class. This is horrible. So, oh, no. so, so, so there was a lot oh. happening then. So there was, you know, it got pretty draining there for yeah. a while. But then I reached a period in the writing where 
it was like a switch flipped and everything clicked. And I knew Oz and I knew Deborah and I knew Trinity and I knew all of the secondary characters and it came together. I keep, as we're talking, I keep thinking of characters that I loved in this book. I feel like there were so many just characters that really made it feel, it just felt very real. You wrote it really well. Mm -hmm. There are some certain books where I feel like you can remove yourself as a reader and you really are just watching it play out as opposed to evaluating it in that way. And this was one of those books. So you did a tremendous job. I can't believe that you wrote through insomnia, which I think sounds like the worst thing that can happen from what I've heard. I mean, I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. I mean, and it's an experience I'd never had before. Okay. And 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 then it was during this period of isolation and, you know, how do you get out of it? Um, so yeah. Fantastic. Okay. Well, I'm sure that was a delight. Yes. <laughs> that was wonderful. Yes. <laughs> Memories. Great news, everyone. I haven't slept in days. Oh my goodness. It's so true though. Like how we kind of create, you know, all writers, they're creating in the midst of their lives, whatever that looks mm-hmm. like. And were you on a deadline for this one or were you creating it and then well, I, I was on a, on a deadline for this. So when I okay. signed for Care and Feeding, I, it was a two-book deal. And so this was the second book in that deal. Wow. So I was and writing I, sort of against that, uh, that deadline. Okay, perfect. So then you had the insomnia and a deadline. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I'm but see, so... deadlines are good for me. Deadlines are very good for me. I'm a journalist and, you know, I'm, I'm used to... You have to get producing, it done. yes. So they're they're actually quite helpful for me. You know, I, it helped me sort of get things lined up. Okay, you have a serious problem with insomnia. See a professional, and let's you know get this taken care of. Yes, that's a good way to think about it, right? The deadline yeah. maybe helped you push yourself forward a little mm-hmm. bit faster than you might have otherwise. Absolutely, that makes yeah. total sense. What are the things that you think you took, like the lessons you take from journalism? to apply to novel writing? What's one that you think people can benefit from or that you use a lot? I think the main thing is the sort of, it's a job, you know, the sort of work a day, work ethic of it. Yes. Um, I, I don't, I mean, I'm inspired. I, when I started this novel, I had a specific idea. You know, I knew the things that I knew right. when I sat down to write. But not every day is going to be a good writing day, but you still must show up for work. And that's the main, you know, you're not going to feel inspired every day. Mm. But sometimes even on those days when you feel least inspired as you're working through the story, you get lucky. You know, something happens on the page that gives you direction. And, you know, I sort of live for those moments. But the main thing is showing up for work every day. Nothing happens if you don't show up to work. That is very true. You get fired if you don't show up. Well, that that might happen. <laughs> <laughs> that might happen. That, that's a possible possible yeah. thing. Do you do you have a writing schedule? Do you write every day at the same time? Are you an early riser person, or how do you manage your schedule? Well, this is interesting. I used to be an early riser writer. You know, very well scheduled in the mornings, but I'm going through menopause now, and I'm. <laughs> Oh, fun. I'm very tired all the time. And I <laughs> you need the sleep. And I want to sleep a lot <laughs> when I can sleep. 
Yes. So I've now I'm less of a morning person, which is a real, you know, that's been a real challenge for me. So I'm starting to, I have a more sort of truncated writing schedule. It's still, still in the morning, but it's not as early as I used to do it. Interesting. Well, good for you though, for leaning into what your body is needing. I mean, our ability to weather or not even weather, but just to kind of flow with those waves and mm-hmm. seasons makes everything so much easier. And I'm sure that your wife and the other people in your life really appreciate that you are getting the extra sleep instead of getting up early and then maybe not being in the best mood. I'm not saying yeah. that you're ever in a bad mood. I'm just saying <laughs> oh, never. maybe no. maybe I am sometimes. So <laughs> I I don't know. And I'm I'm just getting to like the beginnings of perimenopause, like hot flashes. And it's just, it's such an exciting time of life. I love it's, being it's, a woman. It's wonderful. Oh, it's- <laughs> what a delight. Yes, it, it just, you know, it just gets better from here. So. <laughs> <laughs> we we should write copy for menopause ads. <laughs> menopause, you're going to want to do it. It really is something. For me, I had immediate, I had to have a hysterectomy sort of right at the end of this book. So this book, again, was a complete delight from start to finish. Yeah, it sure (laughs) sounds like it. Personally and professionally. Yay! (laughs) So menopause for me kicked in, you know, immediately. I was going, you know, along nicely through perimenopause, but then, you know, it it hit immediately. So like a hammer, like a hammer. Yes. Oh, that's, that's a good description. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Gosh, I'm just so happy for you. So many good things yeah. to celebrate. Well, yeah. surgical menopause. That was that's what surgical. They call it. <laughs> okay. Which just makes it even worse as a term. Oh my gosh. So, I love it. Anywho, I, that, that, I, that happened. That that was a thing that happened. Okay, so you've weathered you've weathered a lot in the writing of this book. Yeah, this book sort of, you know, a lot was happening in life. You know, I love, though, that what you're saying, too, this is what I felt about the book when I finished it. Number one, I thought, that is a complete book. Life and Other Love Songs feels so full, and it's like you wrote so many lives into it, and just, they were believable, they were honest, and I think especially in some of their struggles, I was rooting for them so so heartily. And I think this book had a ton of heart. So I think you accomplished what you set out to do, you know, despite just a few roadblocks, one or two. Or, you know, I, because of, you know, yes. I, I was, I was, you know, spending a lot of time alone in my head, a lot of emotional work as well. And I think some of that contributed to the sort of emotional weight, the emotional, I would say, undergirding uh, of the book. And, the, and I think the honesty in the book. Yes, your honesty in what these characters were feeling, especially, and without saying too much, there are so many that are working against themselves and they don't yet see or understand that. And so to watch them go through that process is so, it's really powerful. And I do think that people will take a lot from this novel because there is a sense of if you're not dealing with something, it's dealing with you. And That idea seems so threaded here. So I'm excited for people to read it. Now, do you you. have exciting pub day plans? Let's see. We're doing a launch on actually that Saturday. Oh, okay. And I have a couple of interviews leading up to it. Yeah. People keep calling you like me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's what you're doing with your days. (laughs) 
Yeah, no, it's great. Look, yeah. I when I first asked about writing, when I first started writing, I had no idea that anyone would ever read anything I ever wrote. Mm-hmm. I really started writing for me. It was helpful for me. And I just feel blessed and am great that, you know, anyone has a question that anyone's even reading it. So It's wonderful. I'm so glad that you're a writer because I think your voice brings a tremendous amount of honesty and beauty to what you write. It really is. It's musical. Last question for you. Who out of the people in your world, who do you want to thank? Now you're at the eve of the book coming out. Who's a person you want to thank? Oh, geez. Um, I would probably say my editor, Amanda Bergeron, and um, my agent, too. There was a lot of difficulty just on that personal, emotional side that I've yes, yes. laid out for you. And to have people who in your life who are not only deeply invested in your work, but also deeply invested in you and who are with you sort of throughout that entire process. They see it out from beginning to end and they they add value and suggestions that frankly made the book better than I think I could have made it completely on my own. For that, I am beyond grateful. Mm. I'm so glad to hear it. Well, it's a wonderful book. Many congratulations. I can't wait to see it everywhere. I know Zibby Owens had it on some of her lists as well. And Mm. I'm just so thrilled that people will be finding it. So thanks for your time today. And I'm wishing you all the best. Thank you so much for having me again. It was my pleasure. It was a lot of fun. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Ask a Librarian. As always, it's my joy to share and learn with you. You can follow me on Instagram at Julie Writes Words, or you can go to my website, juliewritewords.com. There you'll find the show notes, including all the books mentioned in the episode. See you in the stacks next week. And until then, friends, never go anywhere without a book. <laughs>